Hello and welcome to Elixir Talk, the podcast where we discuss your questions about Elixir application design and the state of the ecosystem. My name is Desmond Bowie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bell. Hey, Desmond. How's it going? Hello, Mr. Bell. How are you? I'm good. It's raining. Uh, it's MPEX week, and uh, I, I, yeah, I don't have another one. I needed three to round that out, but I don't. So uh, yeah, that's that's how it is. Cool. You guys psyched for the conference? Uh, psyched, yes. Nervous, yes. Uh, you know, I, I guess this is our third year, so we are pretty experienced at running it. Mm-hmm. You would hope. Um, <laughs> you would hope we know like how much food to order, given that it's the same. I don't know. But let's see how it goes. So, yeah. I, I think I always just get a bit nervous at this point, because I'm like, what if the speakers drop out? What if this happens what if someone's plane crashes or something um let's really hope that one doesn't happen but yes yes i think we both hope that but you know the last uh, couple of days ahead of an event are always always a little nerve-wracking i mean you've been working on this for months and now the day's almost here yeah i mean i'm super excited about it though it's uh, going to be amazing to have all the elixir folks in town and the training looks awesome uh, actually, Frame is going to be a sponsor of MPEX this year, so I'm like even more invested than I would have been, uh, and sending a couple of my team over to the training and then also to the conference as well, which is great. So, yeah, awesome. And you're going to be here. I am going to be there. I'm flying in on Thursday night, and I'll be there through Sunday. Um, so we'll probably do some Elixir Talk recording on Friday. So everyone. Be on the lookout for a very special episode coming up. Very special. And then uh, Saturday's the conference. So I'm looking forward to seeing some old friends. And uh, anyone who wants to come out and say hello, would love to meet you. I thought you were going to say old friends and enemies. And I was going to be like, but what enemies do you have, Desmond? <laughs> that's why I didn't say it, Chris. <laughs> well, that's good. That's I'm not good. expecting my enemies to show up to my conference. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, let's hope not. Well, now you're, it's like you're not you're not the the main face of the NYC conference anymore. So, so this is their chance to show up. Exactly, they've just been waiting for this moment. Uh, but I will be emceeing. So uh, if you're there, you will hear this voice and see this face that you don't see usually. <laughs> Finally, get a chance to put the face to the to the voice. And then you realise it was a a face only for radio, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there you go, self-burn. Cool, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, and then we've got some other fun mpex things lined up after, right? Um, in LA, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't want to get into it too much right now because some, some ideas are still still gestating, but it's it's looking like we're going to have a, uh, a mini hacking retreat over the summer. Um, we're looking at some Hollywood mansions to rent uh, with a swimming pool, of course. And we're going with a Hawaiian luau theme. Wow, that was a lot. So hang on, Hollywood mansion hacking event with a swimming pool. Yes. Okay, well, well, maybe I'll uh, spend my vacation doing that. That sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, MPEX's finest. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about hearing more about that. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, like I said, we still have a couple details to work out because it's like part hackathon, part training, part retreat, part party. Uh, you know how we do. So just getting all the details uh, worked out is taking a little extra work. Nice. But um, it's looking good, and I hope to have something to announce soon. I saw you wrote a blog post as well. 
Yes, about type specs. Uh, we had a correction from our episode last week about um, type specking the keys in maps that are passed to functions. It turns out you can specify the type of keys in maps. So uh, I wrote a blog post going through just how that works. Like there isn't a lot of documentation on type specs. There's the official docs, but there aren't a lot of examples about, oh, when you're trying to do this, here's what that looks like. If you put these together, here's what will come out of it. Um, so hopefully someone finds that useful when they're adding specs and running dialyzer. Well, it's nice to be wrong and right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm okay with being wrong, you know. Like we sit here, we 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 say things, but you know what? We're just we're just people. We we could get things wrong. Honestly, if if you're not wrong some of the time, then you're not doing anything interesting. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess like this one, uh, we should probably have looked up. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm glad you followed up with a blog post. I think that's great. Yeah, cool. Um, as you said, we are all learning about this together. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what's, what's, what's been going on and what's new with uh, what you're working on? Well, speaking of learning, um, I've been working with a company that is new to Elixir, and um, a lot of the work has been training up their developers. They're experienced developers between, I'd say, between two and ten years' experience and coming to Elixir, and they know some of the basics. I mean, you look at Syntax Online but have had no experience working on production systems. Um, they're not familiar with idioms of the language and uh, didn't know how to architect a system, how to think about designing it um, in a way that is um, that works well with the Erlang VM um, and this architecture as opposed to stateless, Rails, request response, um, object-oriented. Mm. So uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting several weeks. Have you been training up people what's your experience yeah it's uh it's an interesting topic we just had someone join and we've been talking a lot about like what to do around training um and i think you know uh, some of my past successes have been like getting people ramped up in a fairly efficient manner i would say onto elixir and being able to be productive but like it's it's hard to do that for everyone right like the i think the way people learn is very different. How they want to approach a problem is very different. And like, uh, I've been reflecting a bit on like, or well, how should we start thinking about having a more structured training course um, for getting people ramped up who are pretty fresh to the language. So yeah, what have you done in the past? I pair with people. Mm. Um, we'll pick stories off and uh, I'll sit and pair with them and we'll work through the problem together and uh, kind of talk through, I mean, there's the progression of first, here's a simple problem, how do we express it in this language? How do we uh, leverage pattern matching? How do we use different functions to avoid conditional branching logic? Uh, how do we not mutate data structures? Um, these are not complicated, but it's a different way of approaching a problem and takes repetition and practice and looking at, here's how we would have approached this before here's how I should approach this in this new way. And sometimes you get people that say, well, what's the difference really? Can't I just use my if-else block? Can't I just use insert old paradigm here? And the answer is, well, you can, but what's the point of learning a new language if you're just gonna write it in the old language? Mm. No, I understand that. I mean, are these people who are like fresh to the language or have they, have you had people who like you've done some pre kind of ramp up on or anything like that? 
again, these the 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 folks that I've been working with uh, have seen the language. I would say, you know, they read the introduction, the basic tutorials. Uh, they've maybe done some Cohen's, um, but they don't have any. I would say, real experience with the language. Mm. I like so. What I've done in the past is like I think. The, by the way, I, uh, just before I go on, I think the pairing is like great, right? Like I think like sitting there with someone more experienced and kind of walking through a problem together, um, and also like. I don't think it's true pairing unless both of you are driving at some different points, you know, like passing the keyboard around. Otherwise, it's, you're just like giving a lecture, basically, right? And right. Like, you're just sat next to someone. But um, I think good pairing sessions, you're like sharing the keyboard, you're kind of going into detail, you're explaining things, you're like thinking through the code paths together um, and the pr- breaking down the problem together. But And I've, I've definitely had some good success with that with uh, folks before as well. I think before that, like... What I've done in the past is like make people go through the Dave Thomas um, Elixir book, which I think I honestly like that is such a good resource for like, and here's how we build up loads of simple concepts. And here's what like the enum library is and also implement most of it yourself. And then you understand like a lot of the language and then you can jump onto harder things. And have you did you end up going through that when you were learning? No, I bought the uh, Programming Phoenix book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was my very first introduction to the language, and it was nice because coming from Rails, I I knew what they were trying to do, and I had that general framework for it, so I could just focus on syntax. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got through that, I picked up Sasha Zurich's book, Elixir in Action, and that introduced me to processes, supervision trees, um, just deeper concepts. So that that part's really interesting, right? So for me, it's like. I think there's like baseline language knowledge, right? Which like, it sounds like you're saying that you've had a few people who've got that introduction to the language. For us, it's like, if you've got someone fresh and you want to give them that, sure, you're going to get some developers and some people who are, you know, who are like going out of there, like on their own time and kind of picking up the stuff and going through the Elixir Lang site and kind of dabbling in their own examples of the code. But you might have some people who are just like, I'm going to leave that for office hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's reasonable. Uh, and in that case, I'm like, I, I think I want to start them off with like, and this, this is the basic introduction to the language. This is what pattern matching is. This is, you know, what you were talking about before, like it's immutable, like this is how pipes work. Like, and just give them that like baseline of kind of just pure like syntactical, like what the language looks like and how you might use it. Um, and I, I actually don't think there's a better way of doing that than following a bunch of the examples in the in the Dave Thomas book, in my opinion. Um, I think that like it just it just does a really good job of like laying out that that basics for you, like all of those basics for you. Um, and then I I think from there, once you've got that baseline of knowledge, like you can start approaching a few problems. So at that point, I might think about like layering in some pairing, right? Like now that you can read the language. And you don't have to be like, what's that? What's that? Every single time when you're pairing, I think you might get more value from the pairing session because you're thinking about it not at the like syntactical level, but you're thinking about like how you express problems as well, right? Like you're thinking about like, and like if you're pairing with someone a bit more advanced, you're like, oh, why did you pattern match everything in a function head there or something like that? Um, And I think once you're at that point, yeah, you get tons of value out of that pairing and you can see how someone else is thinking in the language and pick up some of those habits hopefully they're good habits if we've done our jobs well um and then you can go from there and then like 
from that pairing session, I think it's all about like you taking on your own feature. But at this point, I would never like layer in too much like process OTP stuff. I think for me, that's like a much, that's like the second learning hump of, of Elixir, right? There's like, first of all is like, get out there, get comfortable with the language, get comfortable solving some simpler, simpler problems and maybe with some guardrails of like, how you work uh, on your project or how you like to approach problems on your on your team or something more like that and keep those problems nice and light without going too deep into some of like the more complex uh, side of OTP and then I think the second learning hump is like how do you teach people to think differently about solving problems right which is like to me which is like the harder learning curve I've always seen Elixir as like a two kind of curve learning problem and like the second curve feels steeper to me. Yeah, I think that's best handled by letting people get to the point where uh, the shift in thinking reveals the better answer. You know, you have these tools at your disposal, you understand, okay, I know how to link these functions together. Oh, I'm trying to model a particular problem. How how do I do it? I, I don't even know how to think about it. And then you can say, oh, well, if you use X, Y, and Z constructs, then the problem sort of answers itself. And then when people are ready for it, I think then it, it, it clicks very naturally. And they say, oh yeah, that is a great way to, to model these systems that have to communicate, uh, that are interacting with each other. And I see why I would want to use a separate process here. I see why I would want to uh, cast to a gen server as opposed to call. And then I think it's, it's easier to drop in those language features and then from there go, well, now that you have these gen servers, these processes, what happens if one of them dies? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked because this is a supervisor. Yeah. And then you get into supervision strategies and then you, then you can bring in uh, tools like the observer and start to look at what's going on in these processes. And then you see, oh, well, there's this uh, message, message inbox. Oh, there's these things called reductions. And then one thing kind of leads to another but I, I also like not dumping this stuff on people because there's only so much you can retain at once so even when it comes to syntax and people make some uh they they do something clumsy i let it slide for a while when it's clear that they're still working on something else hmm. that so that's interesting like that um the, the last point you made there like for us like because we have our style guide and people are learning we still would like be trying to push them in the right direction and hopefully you're doing that in pairing and not just like code reviews at that point right hopefully you're not just like nitpicking the crap out of like everything they're doing you know in a code review because I, I don't think that's like particularly constructive unless you're really digging into like why that's a problem you know yeah and at that point it's too late yeah yeah totally because like they've already written it and you're like ah yeah um so hopefully you can like drill in some of those like this is how you should the style of how you should program first of all. The the thing that I find difficult is like if I drop someone into a feature on our code base, they've already got all the guardrails of like they they've already got all like the building blocks of the system, right? Often if you're adding a feature, you're just kind of like using those building blocks and then you're you're doing something that already exists a lot of the time. So it's very hard to teach concepts in that way because I think like you're just like, well, that's there, so I'm just going to use it, right? And I think you actually have to, like... So let's let's take an example there. Like, let's say uh, in our system someone was adding an API endpoint and it was like, I don't know, create some new resource. And as a result of that, you have to push something into our event bus, right? So there's all these defined what patterns and, and, like, abstractions for how you do that. 
but you don't at that point in time you don't really understand like how that runs right you don't understand like the processes behind it and you don't understand like that these things are all running separate processes and all the supervision tree stuff and everything like that you're just kind of following what's there right and then after that i think is like you need to get to a point where you're where you can say like okay you've done that thing now let's like completely walk through how that works at a process level and then that start that's when you start to like layer in this concept of otp and like processes because in your example even if i already knew elixir and how it all worked if i walked onto your company i wouldn't know that there's an event bus right i I don't know how your app fits together sure yeah so there has to be some kind of like architectural like this is how the system's put together right is that where you're where you're going with that yeah and that there's there's complexity not just in learning the language learning the architecture there's learning your architecture and how this app is put together totally and yeah it's not enough to just add this feature we also have to register some function somewhere mm-hmm. yeah definitely and uh, you know what that that ramp up takes months really like people are kidding themselves and they're like you know what i'm gonna get a senior wrench and i can ramp them up faster it's like the ramp up is basically constant right like you just it's just a lot of work like to understand the system sure you're gonna have a few people who can understand it a bit faster and like hopefully with some experience maybe some of that is true but like there's still like there's still a lot to learn there and then i think when you're talking about that plus a language plus a different way of thinking especially if they've come from like a more oo background then like you know you've got a pretty steep learning curve um another thing that i've done in the past is give uh, my engineers like a task of saying like work on a game or something different I think like a game and like modeling game state is like a really good way of learning OTP. I think I've said this in the past and like I kind of stand by this is like if you're like a, a, like a real time multiplayer game it's like a really awesome way to think about like oh I'm going to have every player in its own process or every game in its own process, right? And it and if you walk through with someone about how you might model it using processes I think that they start to grok it a bit faster because you're giving them a really solid real-world example as well. Um, and you can keep the scope of those projects like fairly light and not have to spend like a month doing it, right? You could do like a, a few-day project to model th- something using processes and have them kind of understand the concepts as well. I mean, if it's a junior developer that's still trying to understand how to learn to approach problems and how to carve out, uh, here's a feature build it and break that into its constituent steps there's just a lot there like there's a lot to learn and i would train that person differently from someone who has learned four languages is not maybe familiar with this but could pick up something like that's a good pattern point. matching very quickly yeah I, actually that's interesting like do you do you think as you've got more experienced uh, as a programmer that that barrier to learning something new has dropped or do you think it's got worse absolutely i think it's gotten easier to learn things do you think that's because you abstract away like uh you, you, you kind of have a di- there's like a difference between like solving a problem in our language versus solving in many languages right it's just problem solving yeah i think that's what it is and if you learn enough languages you you learn how to approach problems in different ways mm. uh, how to approach it from an object-oriented way a functional way um a logic way perhaps uh, and so the concepts kind of come up again and again and you can express a solution um in different ways and i think people tend to gravitate towards 
languages or approaches that f jive with their way of thinking, uh, perhaps that model that mapped the domain very well. Um, but you're left with the same core concepts, I think, in computer science. And I'm not like a hardcore computer science theorist. I think you s you still understand how I want to approach this. Okay, what are the what are the tools? How do I how do I use them to express that answer? Mm. Yeah, and I think you're right about like the junior versus senior thing. I think like you definitely have to approach the learning in a different way, right? Like more experienced person, maybe you can throw them in a bit more, and you know you do you do a bit more like well this is a concept here you go and with a more inexperienced person i think like there's a bit more hand holding there and there's a bit more like concept like how you might solve something yeah cuz junior people i've seen also are more resistant to learning a new idiom they'll they'll pick up the language but they keep trying to write it in the style that's familiar to them mm. and i think that's mostly a comfort thing if you're if your grasp on programming is still a little tenuous then you want to stick with what's familiar. And it can be difficult to learn something new when you haven't mastered one way of doing things. Right. I get that. I was absolutely a junior developer at one point. Compared to some people, I still am a junior developer. Mm. So, yeah, the, I mean, those people have to be trained differently. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I'm, I think I'm with you there. I think, like, the... The OTP learning curve will always take longer as well, right? There's so many concepts in there, and like you have to have you have to have exposure to solving a problem using some of that toolkit in order to fully grok it. I think as well. Like that's the other key. I think as like if, as engineering managers, it's like our job to like it gently introduce people to certain problems and then make sure that like you know they've got what they need to solve it right like and like sometimes like jumping straight into like some hardcore process modeling problem is not the right thing there as well you know i think you need to like layer that on in a reasonable time frame where people have the space and the time they need to to truly grok it you know and don't put pressures on like unnecessary pressures on them to your point i think some things are best like you can learn them in different ways and um a lot of the challenge in approaching these problems is not knowing what tools are available yeah, and not understanding what you get out of using OTP. And so some of those things work very well in, say, lunch and learns or afternoon workshops. I've done that at uh, my client now where a subject comes up and we say, all right, we're going to learn about ETS. We're going to spend two hours just digging through it and seeing when it's useful, why you would want to use it, how it works, what are some pitfalls. And then you level up. You know, it's like, oh, now I know how to use this. I know when it's appropriate to use it, and I can choose to or not to use that going mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, no, I think that's a great approach. Like, just, you mean, like, gently feeding in the information and, like, doing, a like, on one thing and kind of getting a bit deeper into it. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, where I, I wait for a situation to arise where it's appropriate to say, oh, aha, now we're going to talk about this new construct, which will help you solve this problem. Uh, when you run into, say, if you're using processes to model user sessions, well, then it turns out I have to take a, a user ID and then find that process. Well, then you need some sort of mapping from an ID to a process ID. Well, an ETS table is great for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So now let's all sit down. Let's go to the whiteboard. Let's all get some lunch or something. We're going to learn about this. And then people walk away knowing, oh, this is now I know when to reach for that sort of thing. And you, you don't have to cover everything, but it's more about 
when you hit the situation, think about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Like the, the whole like not knowing what to look for as well when you're new to something. Like when you're new to an ecosystem and like you have these concepts and you're like, you don't even know how to Google it sometimes. You can't Google for something that you don't know. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like you have to at least have like some kind of understanding to say like, oh, these are the things that I need to look for, right? That's where like, that's I think that in that case, it's like pairing and then pointing people in the right direction is really useful. Doing like small bits of pairing, doing that, walking away, seeing how they're getting on, checking back in, you know, um, and before the code review. I think like what you said before about like the code review is often way too late for some of that. Otherwise, you've like you've kind of done a crappy job teaching people because, you know, you're basically like getting to the end and then pointing them in a different direction. Yeah, and the code review can be nice for small things like, oh, you should probably destructure this or reassign this variable. You're doing something a little clumsy. But small stuff, syntactic stuff mostly. Certainly not like a design decision. Right, and then uh, like, so for us, like, because we use quite a strict linter, I think that kind of puts you on the path a bit sooner as well in some ways, you know? Because like, you're already getting some of that syntax, like syntactic, like this is how we work, right? Like you're you're being told by a machine, like this is how we work, rather than like being told by someone else as well. And I, I honestly, I think that's like not a bad thing. I think like just it takes away like that argument of like having like a a more experienced person on the team being like, no, you have to do it like this, and they're like, what? You know, you're just saying like, no, this is how it is right now. And if you want to challenge that rule, then maybe we can talk about it. But like, that's how it is. So what advice would you have for listeners who are trying to train up themselves or trying to train up their team? I think, I think like what we've been circling around is like the real world problem, right? And I think like what we were talking about with pairing, I think like it's really important to have that centered on a real world problem. Uh, that real world problem doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be like the biggest thing to start with, I think. I think it's really important to break off a small chunk and like tackle that. Like don't try and like go off and re-implement some big legacy system just to like get a foot in with, with Elixir, right? Like if you start with something smaller, go from there, build out a feature, see how it's working and then, and then carry on. I think that helps. And then I, I don't think you should be afraid to like, if you don't understand a concept, like try building something like different to what you would be uh like what problem you're trying to solve to what to grok it as well so by that i mean like the game example for me is really good right like if you don't have a good way to like think about modeling state and processes don't try and force like a problem on that like take something that actually fits to it so take something like a game try it out hack on it like build it and then ship it right it's it can still be like real world because you can still make it work and i think like that as a learning opportunity at least then you're um you're kind of not not necessarily like doing it the right way but like you're at least like applying the right framework to the problem you know rather than like trying to trying to fit it to something where it doesn't fit at all so yeah i don't know what about you have you got any other tips I think uh, learning is divided into three phases. The first is syntactic, which is you have to squirrel yourself away with a book or um, a website and just learn what does a map look like? What do function calls look like? What is the case statement? Um, and then once you get familiar with that, then I think you jump into a real world problem and say, okay, now that I'm not so hung up on what is this data structure I'm passing around, how do I do something? How do I do anything? 
And then from there, you can get into how do I how do I build a live system? How do I work with OTP? So kind of steps two and three, I would say, are best done with the mentor. Step two, I think you can do on your own and sort of hack things out. Certainly step three is helpful with someone who is experienced and can coach you in good idioms. Well, here's the way we do things and here's why we do things. And uh, this is this is the most efficient use of the language. What do you do if you don't have a mentor around? Well, you could hire you could hire us, for example. <laughs> but I, I mean, like for all those people out there who want to get into the language, I think there's like there's a lot of people who want to get themselves up the curve, right? Like they want to like they want to kind of teach themselves and get into it and not have to necessarily go through a boot camp or something like that. And I think in those cases, like having that project is really important. I'm an operational kind of person. Um, I learn these things because I'm trying to solve a problem. Mm. Uh, which isn't to say they're necessarily the best fit for that problem, but once I know what I'm trying to do, then it's easier to say, okay, how do I how do I get this language to do what I want? How do I express myself in the way that it wants to do what I want? And if I don't like have a a thing I'm trying to solve or a game I'm trying to build, or you know I'm not trying to make the light turn on when I press the button, then I don't care. Like it's kind of directionless. You're just calling functions that do nothing no i think i think you're like people have different learning styles in that case right like yeah definitely i like i think like that's something that we can all do is like you know you have a fantastic community around you as well like you can jump into the slack you can go to a local meetup like there's there's great opportunities to connect with other elixirists and kind of you know get some outside assistance as well right yeah, I would say go to a meetup, find a hackathon, write something in Elixir. Just find a thing and write it. Yeah, and then get feedback, hopefully. <laughs> Solicit feedback. <laughs> yeah, if you want feedback, just like ping us. Sure. Point us to your GitHub. Yeah, I'll give you some feedback on Yeah, your that, app. that's sure. a really good shout. Like, And also, like, I, I don't know about you, but I love like going through code. I just like reading how I, other I hate going through things. code. <laughs> oh, really? I. I, I <laughs> Dude, that's no, like, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, like, so uh, I, I'm thinking about um, like some of the open source Phoenix and Elixir applications out there, and using those as like good bench, like like baselines for like this is how people have solved other problems, you know, like oh, this is how they structured all their ecto queries or something more like that. Because mm-hmm. it's not always a blog post, and like sometimes you need like a full repo so you can see how something's done. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I'm, oh, what is that? Can you remember that? Uh, there's like a really big open source Phoenix app. I'm like having a mind blank. What does it do? Um, it's from the people. Oh, Code Corps. Yeah, uh, Code Corps. That's how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, but it is. Uh, I think it's it's like a social good app for open source. So, and that's a big Phoenix app that has an Ember front end. So it's a Phoenix API, um, and there's like tons of code. Uh, they actively have contributors to it, um, and it's actively worked on. So, uh, it, it's definitely one of those apps that you can kind of dig in and see how people have structured something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just found out something the other day from looking at the Elixir source code, which is that when you're passing a function to uh, like a map or reduce, you can have different matching clauses in that function based on the arguments you're passing in. 
Uh, can you explain that one? So let's suppose I have a bunch of user structs, mm -hmm. and I want to map over them and uh, transform them somehow. Well, normally you might map over them, and uh, in your transformation function, you take a user, and then you downcase their email, whatever. Well, it turns out that that function can have several clauses where instead of just you pass the user in, you match on the user state. And if they're an admin, you do this. And if they're a regular, you do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anonymous functions can have the same matching clauses as regular functions. Yeah. And you can just define multiple matching clauses inside of that. Yeah. I just, I just found that out. I mean, usually I would like pass uh, the things to separate named functions and then pattern match on those to do something different. Right. But there's sometimes where you don't want to have another name function and you just want to use like an inline. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, like, I'm sorry, I was like confused what you were saying, but like now, yeah, I'm surprised that you hadn't run into that before, but. I'd never seen it and found it out from reading other people's code. Nice, yeah, it's definitely a useful function. Uh, hopefully we can point to an example if people don't get what we're talking about. Uh, we shall try and add that to the show notes. So, cool. Yeah, well, I would say I'm going to kind of echo Desmond's sentiments. I think that, you know, if you're out there and you're you're starting off with Elixir and uh, you want some help, like, you know, Desmond and I are definitely around. Like, if you, if you need something, um, we're in the Elixir Lang Slack. Um, drop us a tweet, whatever you need to do. Like, there's a bunch of very great people in the community that you can lean on uh, for help, including Jose, who, like, <laughs> randomly will appear in places at times. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of thoughtful people out there in the community and the, the, there should be other ways that you can unstuck yourself, you know. Jose is like an elixir fairy godmother. There you go. And that's the tagline of the show. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be hearing about that for a while. Yeah. Well, cool. cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and uh Hopefully you found this useful. If if you have other ways that you've been learning or, you know, other ways that you've ramped up your team, I would love to hear it personally. I'm constantly thinking about this problem. And, you know, there's a small pool of Elixirists right now. And there's a bunch of people who need to learn the language. And if we want this thing to be successful, we all need great ways to, uh, to help others learn it as well. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah, to follow on with that, uh... I run training sessions, Chris is involved with trainings as well, and we want to make them better. The more people that are learning about this and working on it, and the more effectively we can uh, help people get better, I think we all win. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, if you're going to be at MPEX, hopefully I've seen you there by the time this comes out, and hopefully uh, we've interviewed you or something, or done something cool for Elixir Talk. But. Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, everyone. And if you have uh, if you have a topic that you want to hear us talk about, you can uh, submit an issue on our GitHub page, which is github.com forward slash elixir talk forward slash elixir talk. Open up an issue there, and hopefully we can get to that in a later podcast. Cool. Sounds good. Well, everyone, thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye.